Tiferes B'nai Torah presents The Shmooz, an engaging and motivating Musar and Hashkafa series that deals with real-life issues. First of all, again, it's a tremendous pleasure um, for me to be here. It's... Uh, it's almost like reliving Rochester, uh, Rochester days to see somebody in Hebra. And I really hope, um, I really hope we could have a Kiyom in this group because I think it's, uh, again, I told you guys last week the Shiva was very, very much pushing for this to happen. Five years, I'm the problem, five years later. Actually, Yaakov Edelman is the only reason this did come about and his chus. And uh, Hashem should help us that so we should continue. The halacha is that on Rosh Hashanah we do not say halal. And the basis of that, interestingly enough, is a medrash that says as follows. Amar Rebbeu says, The Malachi Ashar has said to Hashem, Why is it that the Klaisal do not say shira on Rosh Hashanah? The Malachi Ashar said a kasha. Based on what the day is, the Klaishal should be saying halal. To which Hashem says back, Amalahem, Hashem says to Malachim, Efsha Melech Yosheva Kisei Din, is it possible that a Melech is going to sit on the Kisei Din, Vesifrei Chaim, Vesifrei Mesim, Pesuchim Lefanov, and the books of life and the books of death are open in front of him, Vesrol Omrim Shira, and the Klaishal is going to say, Shira, it's not appropriate. The severity of the day, the soundness of the day, the issues that are decided is far too serious for the Kaisal to say Hallel and therefore Hashem said they shouldn't and in fact this is brought Lahalacha and we do not say Hallel on Rosh Hashanah being in Chavetz Chaim we have to work on what was the Havamina and what was the Maskana meaning the Malachim had a good Kasha they had a good Kasha the Kaisal should say Hallel on Rosh Hashanah and Hashem had an answer so we're going to figure out what the Havamina was and what the Maskana was the Chora the Havamina of the Malachim was very, very strong and I think pretty obvious. If we just focus on the issues of the day, the amazing gravity, the awe of what's decided on Rosh Hashanah. And if you read the Nisan Tokev, you get a very clear glimpse of how many issues are decided. Which nation goes to war, which nation has success, which people will have poverty on a global level on a national level, on a community level, and on a personal level, so many issues are decided. And it means beyond just issues of famine and disease and horror, many, many basic issues of the year are decided. If there's to be a new technology that will come to the market that will save people's lives or will not come to the market, that issue is decided. If there is to be a cure for cancer, that issue is decided. There's so many, many issues that are decided on Rosh Hashanah. As a matter of fact, I've often said it, if you want to really understand what's going on, the entire year's headlines of the New York Times is being written on Rosh Hashanah. You know, we look at the, we open the news paper for the news. And we hear all kinds of news. All of that, the entire year's worth of headlines and back page stuff is written on Rosh Hashanah. It's decided which nation will have success, which will fail, how will the market bear, 
terrorist attacks issues, the whole gamut, whatever you read about the entire news media is decided in Rosh Hashanah. So therefore, the Malachim have a very good kasha. This is a major day. Just understanding what's being decided, just understanding the phenomenal amount of issues decided, it's a tremendous day. But even more so, there's probably another reason why we should say Shira. We should say Halal on Rosh Hashanah. And that is the fact that we say, during the Sashmei we include the words HaMelech HaKadosh. We change from HaKel HaKadosh to HaMelech HaKadosh. And the Shabur explains why. The reason why is because we refer to Hashem as Hashem shows Himself. Hashem normally during the year is HaKel HaKadosh. But during these ten days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, Hashem acts in a very different way. Hashem acts as a Melech. And particularly the way the Mishabur brings down the Lushan is that it, Hashem, Hashem Yoshev Edan Koloma Mara Malchuso Memshal Toso. Hashem shows his Malchus and his Memshala. Meaning, it is very difficult for us to see Hashem during the year. In fact, you may even sometimes have people say, Davening is very difficult. Listen, I'm a sincere guy, I'd like to Daven. It's, it's hard, it's, it's boring. It's like I'm bored to death by it. It's like I'm talking to the walls. And the reality is that if you're at a certain point, it is difficult to daven. And the reason why it's difficult to daven is because it's difficult to see Hashem. Says the Peleoic's one observation. There is a marked difference between Hashem's presence during the rest of the year and during the ten days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. And he says, if you'd imagine if your eyes are closed and someone holds a candle in front of your eyes... You're, uh, you sense the candle. You're aware of the candle. Even though you don't see it with your eyes, says the Peleoids, that is what it's like during the Aser Hashem Hashem is present and I can sense and I can feel Hashem. That means normally during the year, if I dominate Shemun Esrei, out of, right off, like it sounds like the E-train, and I blitz through, I can't sense Hashem's presence. If I, that same Shemun Esrei, between the ten days, Aser Hashem I can sense Hashem's presence, I can feel Hashem's Malchus, Hashem's Memshola, Hashem's rulership, and I can daven to Hashem in a very different way. The pinnacle is Rosh Hashanah. That's the day where Hashem is, acts, and shows the world that He is the Melech. Hence, it is appropriate that we should say Hallel. We, the Jewish nation, the chosen people, the Am Hanifchar, who have the opportunity to speak to our King, literally, as I speak to a friend, I speak to Hashem, warrants Hallel. And I think that's exactly what the Malachim were asking. The issues of the day, the tremendous, tremendous off to what's accomplished during the day, what's decided, and the fact that Hashem shows Himself and makes Himself available, demands that the Klai should say, Hallel. But, Hashem had an answer. And that answer is that the Sifrei Chayim, the Sifrei Mesim Apsuchim, the Book of Death and the Book of Life are open, and it's inappropriate. And I think what that means is very simply, that it's true. On a global sense, we should celebrate. And there's often time, I often have this sense during, during Rosh Hashanah, I often want to dance. There's like such a, what's going on? It's like the, the whole world, the whole world is being decided. This, all the Balagai, the six billion people who occupy the planet who think they run the world. CNN, we're in power. I got money, I got power. You're nobody, you're nothing. You're an absolute total pawn. And all of the issues, everything in life is being decided now by our Creator, our Melech. 
And I'm telling you, oftentimes I have a sense of tremendous joy and I just want to dance with the simcha of appreciating what happens on this day. But that's on a global level. The problem is that it gets a little bit more personal when it comes to a community level. And it gets even more personal when it comes down to my din. And the bottom line is that I, as every other Jew, and as every other person on the planet, am judged on Rosh Hashanah. And the issues on which I'm judged are very, very real and have a tremendous impact on my year. Parnosa, you're going to have a successful year or not? Health? Life? The very basic issues of my entire year are decided. And the reality is it's a very grave and serious time. Whether I'm going to have a year of robust health, hatzlacha, success, or I'm going to meet the right type of people, set up the right type of things. If you have a business, are my clients going to continue or are they going to leave me? If you work for an industry, will that industry continue or, like many industries, will they just vanish off the face of the planet? Healthy. What do you mean? I'm a healthy guy. Come on, I'm strong. I'm healthy. Yeah, that issue is being decided. You read about people, young people who get sick. So on a personal level, there is a real homer, there is a real severity, a soundness, a seriousness of the day, because it is a big deal. And these issues hit home. And says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're right. That feeling of enjoyment, that feeling of elation, of understanding that I, the creator of the world, am deciding global issues is great, and you should want to dance a record. But on a personal level, you have to be filled with fear, because there are major big deal issues in your life being decided. Now, that being said, I think we've heard over and over and over how much Rachamim Hashem has, how much mercy Hashem has, how much love Hashem has for the client's role. If you can imagine the most merciful, kindly, loving person in the world, it's not one ten thousandth of the love and mercy that Hashem has for us. So if in fact we hear that and know that, and if in fact we also understand how many issues on a global sense and a personal sense are decided on Rosh Hashanah, you would assume that we would be in shul davening mamish with tears in our eyes, entreating, begging, pleading, Hashem, have mercy, Hashem, give me a good year, success, hatzlacha, panos Hashem, please. And while we all take davening seriously, somehow... I don't think that's an exact description of that many people's davening. And I think you have to ask yourself, why? I'm not a kofer. Hashem created the world and runs the world. Hashem is the creator, the maintainer, and the one who orchestrates this entire world. I accept that. It's given. And I also accept that Hashem is merachem more than anyone I could ever imagine. There's more mercy and love. And Hashem waits for my tilas. So if I accept those two principles, how can it be that I don't sit there with tears in my eyes begging for all of the things that I need? How could you explain how a guy could say, oh my goodness, four hours of doubting, what am I going to do there for four hours? I'm going to go out of my mind. I'll come late, I'll leave early, I'll bring a safe or something. You would assume the exact opposite. We'd be alive with, with doubting. And I think really there are two causes two causes that prevent us from really dominating as we should and I think when we focus on those two causes I think they're easy they're easily solved let me tell you what I think they are problem number one is we lack 
nothing. We live in a world of such opulence and abundance that it's frightening. Do you know, and maybe you do know this, that the dollar amount that's budgeted for the selling of soft drinks in America is equivalent to many third nations economies. That means the amount of money that's spent for you to, to try to convince you to buy Pepsi or Coke is as much money as many nations generate their whole economies. We live in a world of such wealth and opulence that we lack nothing. I have a friend of mine who is a Ben Zakunim, whose father was a Rov back in the 30s in America, and he said his father told him that he remembers distinctly every Rosh Chodesh benching. There would be women, they would hear him from the Ezra's notion breaking down crying. Because in the, during the Rosh Chodesh benching, there's a part where we ask Hashem for Parnassah, and they were so poor that they would literally break down crying. People didn't have food to eat. When I say didn't have food to eat, I don't mean that, oh, yeshiva food, or ma, you made a, oh, I hate meatloaf, or, or I can't figure out what I'm going to eat. They didn't have food to eat. It means they didn't, there was nothing. In the Depression, if you know, people lived with absolute poverty. From Shlomo Zalman Auerbach, when he was an older man, they once asked him, how is it that the Roshiva is able to learn with such equanimity, with such yeshiva das, despite all the hardships going on? And he had an amazing ability to concentrate and wasn't disturbed by anything. Shlomo Zalman said, I'll tell you what it was. When I was a little boy, I grew up in the 1920s in Yushalayim, and I never once never once remember going to bed not being hungry. So suffering comes naturally to me. Now listen to what he's saying. He never as a boy ever went to bed not hungry. Do you know anybody, do you know anybody who ever in their life went to bed hungry because there wasn't enough food to eat? I don't know anybody my age or younger who can say that. Oh yeah, I hate the food and there's nothing to eat. It's nothing to eat because I have a cupboard full of food and I'm so spoiled. I have so many choices that, I'm, that I don't even can't even eat it anymore, right? Lamaisa, we lack nothing. And because we lack nothing, it's very difficult for us to stand in front of Hashem and understand that there are big deal issues being decided. My Parnassa. Parnassa, we're all wealthy. Everybody's got money. We all got enough to eat. It's very, very hard for us to understand this. And so, because of this, I think it's very hard for us to relate it to Din. Listen, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm strong. What do you mean I'm going to be sick? It's not shayach. It's mamish not shayach. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I have a good constitution. There's no way. And there's no way that I could see many of the various things that are described in the Nusana Tokif happening to me. Certainly not death. I have no plans for it and certainly not in this lifetime. I just, it's not going to happen. Not to me. It's just not going to be. And Lamaisa, because we have so much and we have such opulence, it's difficult for us to understand that there's a thing called sometimes you don't have and sometimes you don't get. You know, the Granat, we're not alone in this, and I'll, I'll just let you in on something. The Granat, who was the famous Rosh Hashiva in pre-World War II Europe, was once a wealthy industrialist, came to the Granat and said, Rebbe, I have a problem. We just read in the Slichas, Kedalim ukiroshim Hashem, we knock on your doors as poor man, impoverished man. Rebbe, how can I say these words? I'm a wealthy man. I have 500 working men in my employ. I'm a wealthy industrialist. I have land holdings. How could I say, Hashem, I come to you as a poor man? It's not true. So listen to what the Granat answered. Granat said, you're making one mistake. You assume that because last year 
you were granted a year of success and wealth, you assume that this year you'll be granted the same. You assume that because last year you had fortunes and had 500 working men, that this year you're going to be granted the same. The problem is you think you have a chazaka, but there's no chazaka. That issue as to how much money you're going to have is being set on Rosh Hashanah. What you had last year is irrelevant. That was last year's Xardin for success during this year. But that issue itself is being revisited and that issue is being decided. And whether you're going to have your money in this coming year is Gufa being decided on Rosh Hashanah. Hence you are a Dal and a Rashu, a poor man, because you don't have a Chazaka on your money. And I think that bottom line is where we make our mistake. We assume that I have a Chazaka. I have a Chazaka on wealth. I have a Chazaka on health. I have a chazak on life. I'm a young, healthy guy, and this is the way it's going to be forever. And therefore, especially if I've had it last year, I'm going to have it next year, and it's going to continue. Now, my friends, I dare say, I think for a lot of us, we walk into Rosh Hashanah sound asleep. Sound asleep. You know, this didn't happen exactly this way, but I want to share with you a story. When I, when I was in Rochester... We would drive back and forth to New York often. And I remember one winter's day, my daughter was then two years old. She's in the back in the car seat. My wife's in the front. I'm driving. And we're on 81, headed north, and it starts snowing. And typical, as I get closer to Rochester, it starts like one of these winter blizzards. You can't see two inches in front of your face. The snow is coming down, but there's no way. I can't turn off the road because it's 81 north. There's no, no shoulder to the road. So we're driving, we're driving, and all of a sudden it happens. The car starts skidding. And it goes around in a circle, and I say to myself, there's nothing I can do. I have no control, I can't steer, there's nothing I can do but wait. And the car is turning around, one revolution, a second revolution, I see a truck, and there's nothing I can do. I see a truck whiz right by, and I know we may die, we may not, there's nothing I can do. Somehow the truck misses us, we spin out onto onto the side of the road into a ditch, and the van stops. In the back is my daughter sleeping. We used to play a game. Do you want to drive? Imagine she wakes up and says, Abba, want me to take over and drive? But my friends, listen to what I'm saying to you. She was sound asleep during one of the most terrifying moments of my life. She was unaware. To her, she was comfortable in her car seat. She was warm. And she was completely unaware of the extreme danger that we had just experienced. When she opened her eyes, it was just another trip and look at this, it's even interesting, there's snow on the car and we're somehow tilted on the side. But I'm afraid that's how we oftentimes come into Rosh Hashanah. We're sound asleep. Major, major life issues. Big deal issues, not little ones. Big, big deal issues are decided and we are sound asleep. I'm bored to death by the length of the davening. I'm bored to death because I don't even cop. I don't even get it. I don't even pay attention to the fact that my whole next year is being decided. Everything, the most major to the most minor issues are being decided. And I can change them. Hashem waits for my tefillah. Hashem wants me to dominate. Hashem wants me to ask. And many times all that's lacking is my request. But again, unfortunately, sometimes we're asleep. And sometimes we don't get it. And again, I think the, pri- the first reason why it's difficult for us to daven with real kavan and really 
beg from Hashem is this understanding, this concept that we're muhsak, we have a chazaka, we have a chazaka, and all the things we need, as it was, it will be, so we're safe. I don't got to worry about, you know, these kind of things. Maybe I'll try to daven because it's important, I want to grow in frumkat, but really, in terms of the real din issues, I'm okay, I don't got to worry about it. And I think it's something that we have to, it takes a lot of work, but I think it's something that, that we can wake up to if, you, if we take the time. But I think there's a second reason why it's difficult for us to see the din and why it's difficult to dominate. I'll explain to you why. I don't know if you guys remember, <clears throat> but not that long ago, O.J. Simpson sat trial for killing his wife. Now, it was a mockery of justice because everyone knew that he killed his wife. He was later convicted in the civil trial. It wasn't much of a question. But the dream team, including Alan Dershowitz, had to defend his constitutional rights and they were standing up for morality and decency and they decided to defend him and in fact they did. And I got to watch when they read the verdict. I made sure I was in front of the TV because I wanted to see the scene. And there's OJ. He's sitting there at the bench, gripping, literally gripping the bench. The jury foreman comes up and the jury foreman is holding the verdict and is about to read it. OJ sitting there, knuckles. The man is white as a ghost. The jury foreman opens it and reads, we find him innocent. He jumps up with joy. Unbelievable moment. That moment is din in this world. When you sit judgment in this world, at a certain point the judgment is read, you know the verdict, you're going to be incarcerated the rest of your life, or you're a free man. You find it out right then. But that's very different than the din that we experience on Rosh Hashanah. Because the din on Rosh Hashanah, there's no one that reads to us the verdict. The verdict is decided, but we don't know. We don't know whether I was given a year of life or not. A year of health or not. A year of success or not. Parnosa, I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you this. If you look around a shul, if you down in a large enough shul and you look around, I guarantee... I guarantee that someone in that shul got a verdict of death that year. Just the way it is. Someone got a verdict of being sick. You know, there's a famous story. The stipler was once... If you know when the stipler was older, the Kaleistral used to wait on the stipler. He was in a small room, and sort of like a little room off to the side. And people, I mean, many, many people would be there all day to come. Yes, Shilas, yes, Shilas, yes, Shilas. The stipler was basically sitting with a safer and people come over and ask the Shiloh. He barely would look up. He barely would look, Most of the time he was looking at the safer. He would answer the Shiloh most of the time in writing only. In the later years he was deaf. One day, many people are gathered and the door opens. A man walks in and the stipler stops what he's doing and he points to the man. Russia! Russia! Get out of here! Get out of here, Russia! Get out! The guy turns white, turns red and embarrassed. The stipler going, the girl the door is turning to him, calling him Rush. Okay, he runs out. Later that day, somebody comes back to the stipler and says, Rebbe, it's not my place to tell the Roshiva, but I just want you to know that the fellow probably wasn't such a Russia. I just want to tell you what happened. Not long after the fellow left, he got into a car, and that car... He was driving with a few people in the car, and at some point he decided to get out of the car. When he got out, Mamish, right after he got out, the car got hit by another car, and almost everyone in the car died. 
So Rebbe, you see, wasn't such a rusher. What's what's trapped that the stipler got so upset with him? The stipler said, don't you understand? When he walked in, the Malach HaMovis walked in with him. The only way I could save him was a Malbim Pnei Chaveru Barabim Kilu. One who embarrasses his friends like you killed him. It was the only way I could save him. I had no other choice. Once upon a time, there were Jews like the stipler who could see the Malach HaMovis. Who understood things on a very, very different level than you and I see things. But we don't. We don't. And when we look around the Shul Rosh Hashanah, we don't have a clue to what the Gzar Din is. We don't have a clue to the bad, and we don't have a clue to the good. Many, many people will be granted tremendous success. Many people not so. You know, I'm always amazed by people's to my acumen, my wisdom made me my money. And it's true. You see a guy in the mid-90s goes into telecommunications, starts buying and selling long distance, and he starts getting telemarketers doing it, sells his business in a couple of years for $10 million. Happens to be, had he done that same business five years earlier, or five years later, he would have been in poor. A guy goes into real estate, starts buying real estate in the early 90s. Real estate in the early 90s was in the dirt. It was pay- worthless. He starts buying, and Mishigas comes over, I want to start buying buildings. And lo and behold, the market changes dramatically now, he's a wealthy, wealthy guy. I know a fellow who was a young guy, I don't think he's 30 yet, he was penniless, he was a pauper. Mamish had nothing. A fellow who owned a number of apartments wanted to retire, and he recognized that this fellow was a pretty competent guy. He said to him, listen, I want you to take over this business, and I want you to buy these apartments. The fellow said, I have no money. Don't worry about it. I'm going, I'm going to take the existing mortgage and sign it over for you. I'll carry the debt. I want you to do it. The guy signs on the dotted line. He now owns a business worth somewhere about $5 million. Owns 100 apartments and he's doing phenomenally well. His wisdom, his chachmah, I don't think so. Because so many guys who are brighter, so many other guys who are smarter, didn't get that shot. Didn't get that chance. Lamaisi, you see it over and over. Very competent, successful people don't make a penny. And lo yutzlochs, or regular people, end up making fortunes of money. In fact, I have a little pet hobby. I try to analyze successful business people. And it's true that there are skills, and it's true that there's competence, and you could tell a guy who's a shark, he's really put together, he's organized, he's really good. But I have found over and over that the really, really successful people oftentimes, if not most of the time, are not very sharp, successful people by nature. And I found many very, very sharp people who make very little. These are issues that are decided. But the point is, this, these issues are decided on Rosh Hashanah, and we are oblivious to them. We don't know. We don't know. And hence, it's very difficult to feel the din. It's very difficult for me to understand that my whole life is being judged when first of all I have this natural sense of chazaka, what was, is going to continue, I've always had, I always will have. And secondly, I don't even see the din. I'm going to walk out Rosh Hashanah and not only that, I'm going to wear my best clothes to shul. Not quite the best, says the Mishaburah. Why? Because you always have a little bit of Amos Adin. But we wear nice clothing. We eat a Yom Tif meal because we're Batuach. We have Betochen and Hashem's kindliness. But we really don't know. And we don't see the Din. And hence, it's very difficult for us to really, really understand that we're being judged on major, big deal life issues.
And I'd like to share with you something that the <coughs> one of the Bali Musar says. The Kochveor says that if you want to learn to appreciate the din, most people make a mistake. Most people stand on a shun and try to imagine, wow, my next year is going to be decided. Am I going to live? Am I going to have success? Am I going to fail? Am I going to find a shidduch? I've been looking for a shidduch for so long, and I know what's involved. I have to meet this one and that. It's so, is it going to happen or not? Says the Kochveor, you're making a mistake. You're trying something way too difficult. If you want to understand the din, I have a much better etza, says the Pelioids. Don't go forward, go backwards. You're standing there on Rosh Hashanah of this year, look back over your previous years, look at your successes, look at your failures, look at the people you just happened to have met. Just happened to have met this guy who said this, and all of a sudden, something in your life changed. Look back at your past year, and understand that all of those decisions and all of those funny kind of coincidences and things that you can't quite explain were nigzer were decreed on the previous Rosh Hashanah. Because then you'll be able to see the din. See, I can't see the din going forward, but I can see the din going backwards. I could see that event when the car was headed towards me and it mamish looked like it was going to... But somehow, somehow it veered off and I am alive and I understand that that Gzar Din was set the Rosh Hashanah before. And all of the issues. You know, I, I was once speaking to a fellow who's not that worked out in Ashkafa. And I was after Rosh Hashanah, I was speaking to him and I said, Wow talking about davening and uh, he said yeah it was a very meaningful davening I said sure there's so much to daven for health and children and parnosa and he said parnosa no I take care of that I leave uh, I leave God to the big issues parnosa I take care of an interesting story that very same fellow retired at 55 years old why? a friend of his started a company very successful company his friend advised him buy the stock he bought the stock Stock went up. He bought more of the stock. Stock went up more. Bought more. Poured in every penny of his life saving into the stock. And he retired with a wealth. A wealth that he at 55 years old retired because he didn't have to work anymore. Super wealthy guy. Great. Lo and behold, he's working now. You know why? Because the stock went... I don't need God. You know, I'll take care of the panas issues. I'll, you know, leave Hashem to the to the family and the kids and all that. Maybe you could dream about it, but not in the real world. In the real world, things happen. People become successful and people fail. People get sick. There's diseases. There's catastrophes. Anyone a Lance Armstrong fan? 25-year-old super athlete, one of the most fit human beings on the face of the planet. He has a resting heart rate of 32 32 it's almost dead he might as well be dead 32 is his resting heart rate at 25 years old contracts cancer that's so severe that they gave up on him he said that's it finish goodbye don't even bother you're dead it was in it began in his testicles but it went to his lungs it went to his brain it went to everywhere they gave up on him and a funny thing happened on the way to his death he went five toward Francis after after they treated the cancer but it's a funny thing. Ask a 25-year-old, can you die? Impossible. I am immortal. I will never die. And the book is worth reading. It's not about the bike. It's worth reading because he says that that single cognition that I may die 
changed his life. You know what he says? And this is an unbelievable thing. He talks in an interview. In an interview, the big issue that always comes up is that he seems to be flippant about his cancer. He seems to almost take it, not just with a grain of salt, but almost like he's happy about it. And one reporter asked him, it, the way you're talking, it sounds almost like you would do it again. He says, not only would I do it again, why would I ever change the greatest thing that ever happened to me? And then he goes on to explain. Once I understood that I could die, once I understood that I was mortal, it changed my whole life. It gave me a different perspective. It made every moment precious, made my life valuable, and it changed my entire existence. This is the guy who on an 8,000 foot ascent, I don't know if you've ever biked up a mountain, I haven't, but I tried a hill once, and it is Gehenna. This is a guy who while biking, racing up 8,000 foot ascent, falls down, smashed on the ground, most of the reporters thought he's done. He gets back on the bike and races so fast that he wins the Tour de France because of that ascent, he gained so much time. The heart, the courage, the grit of the guy, he claims he got from this single cognition. I am mortal, I will die, and it changed his life. So these thoughts that we, as thinking people, think about on Rosh Hashanah are sobering, but they're not depressing. Rosh Hashanah is not a depressing holiday. It's a yomtev. It's a day with tremendous simcha. And in fact, that's exactly what the Malachim was saying. If you understand what's going on, you should be dancing. You should be saying Hallel. Look what Hashem is doing. The whole world's fate is being decided on this day. Wow, Hashem is the Melech. And more than that, you can feel it. You can sense it. You can sense the presence of Hashem. You could read the headlines ahead of time. But, keep in mind that it's somber. It's serious. Because it's not just the world, it's not just the community, it's your life. We had in my neighborhood, one block away, yesterday, a nine-year-old girl, Rahman al-San, she was buying ice cream from a ice cream truck, a woman from behind the ice cream truck went forward, she died. Nine-year-old girl. Now what are the statistical chances of a nine-year-old girl, girl dying? At least 76. Women in the United States of America, 76. Can't die earlier, right? I don't know. It's not so right. It's not so right. People die. Young people, old people. There's cancer, there's disease, there's emphysema. There's, there are 10 million different ways to die. And Yom Rosh Hashanah is a very serious day. It's not a depressing day in any sense. It's a day that I stand in front of my Creator and I beg and I beseech for success and atzlach in so many different ways. It's a day with tremendous simcha because I understand why Hashem created the world and what Hashem wants for me. And I know Hashem is my Father who loves me and wants to help me and will grant me anything if I'll, just, if I'll just wake up. If I'll just wake up and ask, Hashem will grant it. This is my good. And I think it takes a long time for these thoughts. Again, we live in great times. We live in fantastic times. But that's half of the battle. We have it so comfortable and we have it so good that we forget that it could ever change. And we assume we're always going to have it and it's always going to be there. And what the Granat said to that rich man is, you're making an error, you're making a mistake, you're not muhsak, there's no chazaka. Because you had it, doesn't mean you will have it. But again, it's hard to see. Our job on this day is primarily to wake up. You know, the Kofiori asks a very powerful question. He says, why is it that the Yom HaDin is Rosh Hashanah and Yom Slicha Mechila is ten days later. If I understand I'm being judged, 
doesn't it make a whole lot more sense to have the Yom Kippur 10 days before? Watch. Do Yom Kippur, get rid of your Averas, do Tshuva, etc. Then after 10 days of complete Tshuva, then should be Rosh Hashanah, you should be judged. It's mamish pumfaket, mamish the opposite. First you judge the guy and then you give him a chance to do Tshuva, it's mamish backwards. Give him a chance to do Tshuva, then judge him. Says the Kochayar, you know why it's not reversed? The reason why it's not reversed is because we're asleep. It's not until we're judged, it's not until we're done, it's not until we get the judgment that we can finally wake up. We're like my daughter in the back seat of the car, sound asleep. And you know, I've got to share with you guys, especially yeshiva guys, especially yeshiva guys, for some reason, just don't get it. There's a joke told. In the fourth grade, Moshe is sitting in the back of the room talking. And the Rebbe says, Moshe, we please be quiet. Moshe continues talking. The Rebbe says, Moshe, we please be quiet. Moshe continues talking. Moshe, will you please be quiet? Moshe goes on. Moshe, will you be quiet now? Moshe goes on and on and on. The Rebbe goes on. Moshe goes on. Mom, the kid's not stopping. Finally, the Rebbe has it. He goes over to Moshe, grabs him, holds him out the window on the third floor and says, Moshe, if you don't be quiet now, I'm going to throw you down. You hear me? Rebbe, Rebbe, you don't have to scream. Talk like a man shall listen. Problem is, he didn't hear. It wasn't that Moshe didn't listen. He didn't even hear the Rebbe say, please stop talking. It wasn't, didn't, a Rebbe, you say it like a man. I'll listen. I just, I didn't know. I didn't even register. It didn't dawn upon me that you were even addressing me. Now, even though it's a joke, I think there's a moral to that story. And the moral to the story is that, unfortunately, oftentimes we don't get it. There are many times when Hashem wants to give us a message and we're just, we're so sound asleep that Hashem sends a patch. First a little patch. And we still don't get it, so we get another patch. And we still don't get it, so we get another patch. And the patches get harder and harder, until sometimes, just to wake us up, Hashem has to really, really give us a zetz. And then we say, Hashem, aren't you the Rachamim? Aren't you the one who loves me? Why do you have to do me? Why have six billion people on the face of the planet? Why did you choose me? I did it because you weren't listening. I tried to get you to listen nicely, but you didn't listen. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to know because it's very hard to know what's our path in life, what are we supposed to be doing. If you want to know our primary avoda on Rosh Hashanah, it's to be mamlech Hashem, meaning to understand Hashem created the world, Hashem runs the world, and so many issues are being decided. That's the job. Our job is to stand there and come to this one cognition, Hashem is my master, Hashem runs the world. It's the whole Rosh Hashanah dominating. With that, obviously, comes the understanding that these issues are decided. Mi Yechia, Mi Yamus, Mi Yirash, who'll be up, who'll be not. These issues are all decided. But all of that circles around this one single cognition. Hashem created the world, runs the world. You are my master in front of you, I stand. If a person uses Rosh Hashanah that way, Rosh Hashanah becomes very, very powerful and becomes a very successful day and it can change a person's life. More than anything, Hashem wants us to come closer. Hashem wants us to appreciate the master plan. Hashem wants us to feel the judgment. Hashem wants us to be with Him. But it oftentimes takes introspection. It takes understanding. And it takes looking back on your past year. Think about it. You ever found that sorrow is the problem, the worries? You got something kept getting potched, kept getting potched. No one understand. I may not understand why. But that Gzar Din was last Rosh Hashanah. And all of that is happening now. 
Gentlemen, I want to close with a personal story, and I, I almost, I'm a little embarrassed almost to say it, but I, I, I just, I, I want to share the story. I was 35 years old, and I was having a conversation with my father, and somehow he mentioned the fact that he was walking to shul on Shabbos. Now, my father was born in Berlin, grew up in Germany. He said he was 11 years old, and he was walking to shul on Shabbos, and he, a friend of his met him, and they're schmoozing for a moment, and his friend said to him, why don't you come with me to the museum? My father said, I'm going to shul. Eh, forget shul, come with me to the museum. So my father said, okay, and he went with his friend to the museum. So I said, Dad, what would your father say when you didn't show up in shul on Shabbos? He looked at me and said, Barry, you know my father wasn't from. But the problem was I was 35 years old and I didn't know that. I did not know that my father was a Balchuv at the age of 11 years old in Germany, brought up in a school system. Now you have to understand what it meant. He was brought up in a Jewish school system. The Jewish school system was taught by Api Karsim, another fellow in his class who became a Rov, Rabbi Glucksman, when he was 11 years old, got patch and once got slapped in the face. Why? Because this other fellow said to the teacher at some point, according to what you're saying, the Rambam is an Apicorus. At which point the teacher walked over to the fellow and slapped him in the face. The boy was right. The teacher was an Apicorus and he was teaching Apicorus in the name of the Rambam. My father went to the school, but somehow heard Emmis, heard Shabbos, and said, that's it, I'm doing it, I'm keeping it. His father didn't. His father's a talk of a strong man. And he didn't keep Shabbos. and wasn't interested, my father did. The story doesn't end there. I told the story over at my son's bar mitzvah. And a while later, a few months after that, my father comes over to me and says, you know, I just want to tell you that story that you told about my being a Balchuva at 11, it's not true. I'm not a Balchuva. I never, ever veered off. I remember at six years old making brachos. I remember at eight years old playing games on Shabbos to make sure I wouldn't be Mechalal Shabbos. I never was a Balchuva because I never veered off. At which point I said, wait a minute. You hear... What are you saying? In Germany, in the height of the Haskalah, in a world that's so foreign, a young boy hears a Dvar Emes and says, this is truthful, this is Emes, and he keeps it. In, of the hundreds and hundreds of young men who he went to school with, how many do you think were from? I know of two, my father and this other person. Everyone else, everyone else, whatever, come on, you go with the flow, come on, listen, let's not get all bent out of shape with the Shabbat stuff and the kosher stuff. And the reality is that not only am I amazed by the fortitude of seeing truth and doing it, it's godless, it's greatness. What my father told me over was personal godless, it's greatness, it's a life in the Sion that he passed. He now has two sons and ten grandchildren are all Adarka Torah because he saw truth and made that decision and changed his entire life and the destiny of himself and his family. And I think it's important to hear that. Why? Because I think we make a mistake. Especially if we're in yeshiva and now we're out. We make this mistake. Listen, there's godless, there's greatness if you learn three siddharma day. If you're not longer learning three siddharma day, there's no, you know... No talk about godless, no talk about real ruchnias, no talk about really being close to Hashem, no talk about really being a shalem. That stuff is when you're in yeshiva. But I'm no longer in yeshiva, so it doesn't apply to me. My friends, I'm telling you, it's false. I'm telling you, here's a man who I'm telling you, this was likely, I'm not a novi, but it sure does look like his life test 
And it sure does look like he excelled in flying colors. And what is each person's life test? I don't know. One guy maybe to be about stucco, one guy to be about midos, one guy to, I don't know, one guy to really learn the Dafa Yomi well and really know it. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing, I bet you don't know either. Very, very, very few people know why they were put on the planet and what their job is and what the mission is. But I'll tell you this much. I know, and I have a Messorah, that Hashem created every Jew to be a Gadol. To be a Gadol means to be a great person. To steig, to grow, to accomplish. To accomplish great things. Some people are meant to have Godless in Torah. Everyone has to have a Chalik in Torah. But not everyone's Godless is in Torah. But you were created and put on this planet to be a Gadol. To be a great man. To have grandchildren who look at you and say, Wow! That's my Zaidi. I aspire to be like that man. But it's very hard. We get so caught up and busy and we're doing and we're so... We forget. We so quickly forget what we were put on this planet for, what we're doing here, and how great we are supposed to be. If you want to focus on something on Rosh Hashanah, focus on Hashem being the Melech, focus on the Din, and focus on this issue. What am I here for? I'm supposed to be great. Am I doing great things? And if not, how am I going to change my course? What am I going to take on? What am I going to change? What am I going to do so that I will be headed towards greatness? And again, greatness carries many different faces. But one thing for sure, that's what Hashem put us for, on the planet for, and that's what we're here for. May Hashem grant us all a tovu bracha, a lot of success. And gentlemen, I... Highly, I almost beg. I think these meetings are very, very important. I, I can't tell you how important I think they are. And I'll tell you something. You know, basically, the over and over, you'll hear the Rosh Hashiva say, "Without Musa, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You have no chance. You have no chance. Without learning Musa, you are mamish, dead in the water. You don't have a shot at success in life." Problem is, it's difficult to learn Musa. We'll try reading English books. We'll try Mr. Sharm. We'll try Chavos Most of the time, it doesn't work. And you need Musa Shmuzim. And I, I got to tell you guys, I think our coming together is very, very important for everyone's growth. To be honest, I grow from him as much because I have to work on it and I got to think about it. But I think it's a tremendous thing. If you want to take on a Kabbalah, I don't mean this to be funny, and I don't mean this to be promoting for our group necessarily. But if a guy stand, is looking for something to stand in front of Hashem and say, this is my Kabbalah, I hear very, very well the following words. Listen, Hashem, it's a tough world out there. There's a lot in the Shonos. There's a lot going on. And it's very, very hard for me. But I know there's a group. We meet once a week and we speak about Divrei Musa and Divrei Torah. I'm a Kabbalah myself to join that group and be with them every time. Unless there's some honest or something. But I hear that, again, without sounding self-promoting, I hear that as a powerful siyua and a powerful answer to Hashem, listen, I'm on the right track I'm headed there, I need help, please help me, please give me what I need and this is my positive step, it's not the only step but I think it's important, Hashem should give us a lot of Hatzlacha and a year of, of Kol Tov For more information about Tiferes B'nai Torah and the Shmuz, or to listen to the Shmuz online, please visit us at www.theshmuz.com or call 1-866-613-TORAH.